This morning I'm just going to be um, continuing on in our series, The Great Recovery, which is really about, I guess about money stuff, but not necessarily. It's, it's about finances and the hold that money might have on us. I don't know if um, any of you have ever had anything attached to you. Have you ever had that? Like, <laughs> that sounds weird. Um, you might remember my leech story when I was a naughty boy and disobeyed the rules and climbed up a uh, waterfall and ended up covered in leeches. You might remember that if you've been here long enough. But leeches are disgusting. <laughs> Although apparently they're a medical miracle as well. They can suck blood out and things that's good for you. But leeches have been one of those things that throughout my life, whenever I've had a leech, who hasn't had a leech on them? Wow, you're missing out. <laughs> they're sort of scary, but they're not really that bad. But they are, because they suck on your arm, and then they grow bigger and bigger and bigger, and all this blood fills them. And, and you try and pull them off, and they're sort of like, you know those jelly snakes that you get? And you pull them, and they're just stretching, stretching. And they might snap, but mostly they just stay on. They're just amazingly attached to your skin. And I was just down the road this way, actually, um, with one of my mates, we were fishing in the swamps down there, and this is the fear that leeches give, all right, to me. <laughs> They're really actually easy to get off, yes, but salt on, or you can pull them off, but you keep bleeding a little bit, and you don't die from it. Well, probably people have died from leeches before, but I don't know. <laughs> I haven't died from a leech. And um, we were walking, and it was the beautifulest, clearest water and we're walking through the swamp. Next minute, it was probably about that deep, we just saw a leech swing towards us. And it was amazing the fear that we had from this little black thing because we were like, ah, this leech, and we were running flat out, got out of the water, and we're actually laughing at our patheticness. But um, there's things in life that attach to you, and you just can't get them off. And one of the things that Jesus talked about that we're going to look at today is one of the most important things, that if it attaches, you, attaches to your life, Jesus will actually give you this answer. It's going to take over your life. In fact, if this attaches itself to your life, you cannot serve God. That's how important it is. If you're a Christian, this is one thing that you really need to know and be aware of, that... God has pointed out through Jesus Christ that there is something that if you find attached to your life, you cannot serve God. Does that sound scary? It sounds scary to me. And what I'm going to be talking about is, in some versions, it's called the spirit of mammon, which is a very weird word, right? Um, Jesus said you can't serve mammon and God. But... It can also be translated as money, but it's more than that. It's the system of this world. And then Bob reminded us of that verse um, this morning that said we can't be conformed to the world. We have to be transformed in the way we think. And money or the love of money or this attachment to the spirit of the world is something that we have to free ourselves from and it means that we have to learn to trust in something else, which for us is God. So we've been talking a little bit about some more practical things concerning money over the last couple of weeks. And, and today I just want to do two things. Number one, encourage you that 
besides these practical things, God is for you. God is on your side. That while we can practically do all these different things, we cannot necessarily foresee everything in life. Do you know so much of our life is just plain dumb luck? You're born into a family that you didn't choose. That family either has money or doesn't have money, has position in society or doesn't have position in society. It's just dumb luck. You actually can do nothing about it. It's just the way the world is. And guess what? The world is actually very unfair. It's a horrible place. Because so much of what's in our life that decides where we are has nothing to do with us. But we can make choices from the day we're born and, and I think Rick Warren always talks about it in terms of dealing, uh, using the, sorry, living with the hand you're dealt. Basically, you're where you are, but let's move forward from that spot. Let's start to trust in God for some things because the thing is that God is on our side and there's times in our life where misfortune, where bad management, where whatever it might be has come into our life and we can trust God. He is with us. And there's, there's a few testimonies I've heard over the last couple of weeks where people said, you know what, suddenly I got this money that I needed. Outside the normal boundaries of what I needed, it came into my life and so it actually freed me up. I didn't have the money, I prayed, I believed and God acted miraculously. He does that. And I guess that's a little bit what I want to talk about today, that we can trust God, number one. We can trust God. So, let's have a look at our first verses. Matthew 16. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's just stop there for a second. Can you see how important this is? You cannot serve both God and money. So the other versions that talk about it in terms of this mammon is this, this spirit that can attach itself to you. Where money becomes the driving force in your life, whether you are limited by lack or whether you are limited by your own heart in this area and you are limited by greed, Money can be a factor in your life that stops you moving forward in joy and happiness and according to this verse right here, you cannot serve God if you have got an attachment of money or serving the money system or riches or chasing after prosperity and success, you cannot serve God. That's a pretty big statement, don't you think? And so what Jesus is doing is beginning to challenge this, I guess, worldly system that we're in, you know, that, that everything is about money. What does the government talk about all the time? Economy, 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 money for this, money for that. What do you hear the unions saying? Give me more money. What do you hear workers saying? Give me more money. What do bosses keep saying? I don't have enough money to pay my workers. There's this reliance on the world that and it's true, money does make the world go round. We can't get away from that. It does make the world go round. Ecclesiastes says 
Money is the answer to everything. But it also says that wisdom with money is even better. Because we look at life and we think money answers everything and so if we're starting to trust in our riches or our wealth, what we have in our life, we begin to drift away from God. Because no longer are we trusting in Him for our supply. We're not counting Him as our source, not counting Him as the one who is our Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for us, but we're beginning to trust in either the world system or our own effort to have enough. And what we do is start to walk out of faith. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have a heart that is for God if money is your driving factor in life. You just cannot do it. Not my words, his. Let's keep going. And this is a beautiful answer that Jesus gives to that problem. That is why I tell you not to worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds that don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Isn't that a beautiful... That is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. I, I love it. Aren't you worth more? than a bird aren't you worth more and it even goes on and talks about how the lilies of the field they don't make their clothes they don't spin or toil and work really hard to get how beautiful they are but God provides for it and there is a point in our life where we have to tear ourselves away from a reliance on everything else every other system and say God you're actually sufficient for me And if you actually take time to read through the Bible, you will see that, that God says amazing things about how he wants to provide for you, that he gives you the power to get wealth, how he wants you to prosper as your soul prospers, that there is this gift from God. There's another verse that says this, that the blessing of God makes rich. Now, I want you to just let that settle in for a minute. When you translate that word, it does mean wealth, but we understand it means much more than that. The blessing of God makes my relationships rich. The blessing of God makes my life rich, my work rich, every part of my life rich. Wait for it, there's a little bit more to that verse and adds no sorrow with it. And this is what we need to understand. That when we pursue riches, it adds sorrow. When we allow God to bless our life, there is no sorrow added with it in fact Paul warns warns people he says many people have left the faith because they've chased after riches and many sorrows have pierced their hearts that this desire for wealth has overtaken abundance that comes from God the blessing that comes from God and we all know that money comes and money goes sometimes we have it sometimes we don't but one thing we can be sure of is we always have a God who loves us who will look after us always and our piety for for the sake of an old word that means our holiness our 
Um, our godliness rests not in whether we have or whether we haven't. It rests in do I love him? Am I trusting God? Let's have a look at our next verses, if we could. So this is an interesting passage. Luke chapter 16, verse 9 to 14. And it comes on the back of a, a really confusing parable, in a way. It talks about uh, a man who worked for someone and he was not doing a good job. The master was owed a lot of money and, and was going to sack him because he was bad at his job. And he ends up going and seeing people that owed the master money. He said, hey, look, you know, you owe my master 10 bucks. How about you pay eight? And we'll let you off the debt. Um, and then he went to someone else and said, you know, how about you owe the master a million bucks? Let's just pay him 200,000, whatever it was. And he went around making friends with people and getting money from them because he knew that if he left, he needed a job somewhere. And I still don't fully get it. But at the end, the master actually admired the servant, the person working for him, for his, the way he did things. He understood money, how it worked, the influence that it has. But the lesson that Jesus puts out here is this. We are blessed, right? Aren't we? In fact, you are probably among the most rich people in the world, probably the 10% richest people in the world sitting right here. But here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Honest with greater responsibility. Just read this bit here, because this is going to rock your world as well. Remember how we're talking about attachments? Remember how I said you can't serve God, you can't serve money at the same time? It's impossible. This makes it even more obvious, I guess, and, and there's a link here that we need to understand. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, in other words, we are being given stuff by God to use for him, to benefit others, to, to be generous within our life, and he's given them to us, our resources for those things. If you're untrustworthy in that, what does that mean? Does that mean if I'm dishonest and rip people off, it's not meaning that at all. It's saying, if you are not trusting your wealth and what you have, the increase of your life, to use for God's purposes, you are not being trustworthy in it. Because if we read on, listen to this. Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should be trusted with things of your own? Again, what he said before, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all of this and scoffed at him. Can you see the problem? Understand the Pharisees were people in those days that, that knew the word of God. They tried to live it out the best they could in righteousness. And Jesus is pointing out to them, you are missing the true riches of heaven 
because you are not trustworthy in the things that I've given you. Now, we might think that what link does money have with God and spirituality and things like that? It's okay, I can love money, I can follow money, and I can still hear clearly from God and, and, and get this spiritual blessing on my life. Can we take back that slide, please? But can you see the question? No, that was right, that one. Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven. Does that link disturb you a little bit? Does that make you think about your spiritual life, that somehow there's this attachment, I can use my money that can be attached to the Spirit of God, or I can use my money attached to the Spirit of mammon or of the world or following after the customs and behaviours of the world and live like them? There is an attachment to your finances. And this attachment scares me. If I do not manage my money well on earth, if I don't look after the resources that God has given me, if I'm not using them for advancing his kingdom and benefiting others, then he says, I am going to miss out on the true riches of heaven. I'm not going to understand spiritual things and have spiritual change in my life. That's scary, right? And so as Christians, we need to make sure that, that we are responsible for the things that God has given us, good managers of what God has given us. And if we have that wrong attitude to the money in our life, we are going to begin to try and store it up and we're going to trust in that. I trust in it. But Jesus said, you can't trust that. But you've got to store up your treasures in heaven. You've got to make sure that that while you're on earth, you're using what you have for the benefit of his kingdom as well as enjoying. Can you just put up the next bit of scripture, please? Look at, look at this. I'm not going to talk about tithing, but I believe in tithing myself for me. Remember how I was saying this morning, I said, you've got to make decisions in your heart. I believe it's what God wants from me. And, and so for me, it's like, God, this first tenth actually doesn't even belong to me. It's, it's just a giving back to you. That's my decision. I'm not putting that on anyone here this morning. But do you understand, say if we gave money and, and we're tithers, that there's some people who earn... $100 a week, they will only, according to this principle, please listen carefully, would give $10 a week offering, tithe, whatever. So, you know, here, God, here's 10% of my money, $10. Doesn't sound like a lot of money, but they got $90 to live off, right? Then you'll get others that will earn $300. So they will give $30 according to the principle of tithing. <coughs> Excuse me. And they've got $270 to live off. Then you get someone who earns a million bucks. What's the title of that? 100000 They could give 100000 The amounts are quite different. Is, is there a big difference between ten and 100000 That's a lot of money, right? <coughs> but who's sacrificing more? 
It's all the same. The proportion of what you give as a 10% varies differently. But the one with much still has so much more to live on, so much more to offer to other people, so much more to give to other good causes, to the poor, whatever it might be. And so this, (coughs) excuse me, is written to people who have more than others. Directly speaking to them, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. In other words, don't be proud about how rich you are, not to trust in your money, which is unreliable, but still trust in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. If you are blessed with being rich, you should be a bigger giver. You should make sure that this blessing that God has given you is not stored up in storehouses but given out to those that are in need. In 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about how sometimes we, we will be in that place of, of abundance and we should be sharing that with others because there might be times in your life where the stock market crashes and you've got nothing. And you're going to have to depend on other people. But in the end, we're all working together for this goal of loving one another. Sorry, can you take that one off, please? For a minute, yeah, thank you. So, let me put this to you. Those of you who might have more, you are required to think more about giving than those who don't have. Just put that out there. (laughs) But in any way, we've got to remember this. Everyone in our life, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And that theme is repeated throughout the Bible many times. It is so different to what we know normally as human beings. We like to hold on, and this is that attachment of the world that means once I've got it, I need to hold on to it. If I give and be generous to others, then I won't have enough for myself. And this is a human need that seems to be um, held onto by everyone with that mindset of the world is don't give because then you won't have. Excuse me. Don't be generous. But this ties totally back in with what Jesus was saying in his message. Don't worry. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your food. God loves you and he'll take care of you. You don't need to be fearful because if you are a generous sower, God will actually increase your abundance so you give have ability to give more. That's also in that 1 Corinthians 9. I encourage you to read that, 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Just about the generosity of soul. But it links with faith, doesn't it? It's like, could, could you imagine giving away all your seed? God's not asking you to do that. If you gave away all your seed and had nothing left to plant, what crop have you got for next year? The Bible says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread to eat. In other words, there's some part of your money, it is yours to do with as you want, 
There's a story in Acts where some people sold a field and they said they gave all the money, they didn't. They actually died. Go and look at that story, that'll scare you. (laughs) But when they were confronted with it, they said, this money was yours to do with what you want. Just don't lie about it to the Holy Spirit, what you're doing with that money. It's yours to enjoy. Ecclesiastes talks about that a number of times. You know how some people are like, you have to give everything. You don't have to give everything. But you have to be generous and sow because God wants us to do that. But he says he's given you money to enjoy your life as well. And that's the flip side because that's where it can also control you, where you're so controlled that you can't actually have your money to spend for yourself, to have that bread to eat yourself, that you feel guilty. And that again is that spirit of mammon, scarcity, I don't have enough. And so with our money, with our finances, things that we need to do, number one is trust first of all that God loves you and cares for you. Your good Christianity is not about how much you have or how little you have. Number two, don't allow yourself to be controlled by money. Either way, by, as we've been talking about, getting into too much debt having too mu- and not having enough or having too much and holding on to it. Don't let that spirit come on you. Because what God is asking of you is to have a generous spirit. Number three, if you are blessed to have abundance, give more. You don't need $5 billion dollars whatever it might be, and this is the spirit of the world, isn't it? I've been talking to someone recently and they're like, talking millions, you know, you can make millions. And do you know how far my heart's moved? That much? I've come to a place in my life and and you might be able to recognise it with yourself. If you are promised this amount of money, lots of money, and your heart explodes with, I want that money, it just may be that your heart has not fully settled trusting in God yet. So yes, if you have abundance, give more. How much is enough? If you don't have a lot, the Bible says in that Corinthians passage, give according to what you have. According to what you have. In other words, you know how sometimes you, you, you're being pressured to give to something and you just don't have it? You should never feel under obligation that you have to do something. But according to what you have, give. But you see, that's directed not at just people that, that have a lot. It's also directed to everybody to just say, you know what, I am actually going to sow some seeds sometimes. Whatever it might be, it might be you sponsor a child, it might be you, you decide to give the Red Cross a donation, it might be that you support the church, whatever it might be. Your generosity is a mark that the spirit of the world doesn't have hold of you. It hasn't attached itself. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much that we can trust you. Lord, you have our back. But Lord, in that, I just pray that we would not give in to the spirit of this world. Lord, that we wouldn't love our money so much. 
that it stops us getting spiritual truths, to being trusted with ministry, to be trusted with working with people, to be trusted with revelation from your word. Father, help us to see the seriousness of that as well, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, um, Ashley was up before and just mentioned the card that there's one box on there that's, that you can tick. Hey, I, I've decided to follow Jesus today. Maybe as you've been hearing me talk, you've felt something there. You're like, I don't know what it is, but I just need God. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you and asking you to make a commitment to follow Jesus. What does that mean? Well, number one, it means that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. That he took care of it. He took the punishment. He took the shame. You don't have to punish yourself anymore. One of the biggest lies that you'll hear is that I need to get myself good before I go to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You go to Jesus to get your sins forgiven so that his righteousness can live in you. Maybe that's you this morning. I'm just going to pray a prayer and give you the opportunity to respond to that by praying it in yourself. Love you to just tick that card and say, I made a decision to follow Jesus today and put it in the basket near the door there and someone will contact you. Or if you're with someone, a friend, just tell them I prayed that prayer with the guy up the front and just talk to them about it and they'll, they will tell you how to pray and ask Jesus into your life. Or you can come up the front this morning if you want to do that as well. But anyway, let's pray. For anyone who, who might be here that has never made that decision to follow Jesus or you've made a half-hearted decision at some stage in your life, we're just going to pray for you as well to make that full commitment to the things of God. Father, we just thank you so much for your love. and God, this morning, I want to ask you into my life I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and I'm so sorry. I want to be restored to you. Father, take me now into your family. Forgive me my sin and set me free. From this day on, I just want to follow you and I thank you that right now I'm clean, that I've been set free from anything that would hold me back from knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen.